You are listening to Best Life After Cancer, episode number 47. Welcome to Best Life After Cancer. I'm so glad you're here. This is the podcast where cancer survivors and caregivers can get solutions and support to overcome the life challenges brought by their cancer diagnosis. If you are ready to release your fear, regain your joy, and reduce your risk, you're in the right place. I'm your host, Dr. Deborah Butzbach. I'm so excited for you to listen to today's episode. You know I think that mindset is everything. If you think you're going to do well, you likely will. And if you think you're going to fail, it increases the odds of bad things happening. This episode is with a kindred spirit, the founder of Humor Beats Cancer, and I know you're going to love hearing her story. Enjoy. I am so excited today. I have Olivia with me and you may know her from Instagram. She is the face behind Humor Beats Cancer. And she just has a great story, really uplifting. And her message of finding the humor in things and using that to fuel and heal is just so amazing. So I'm so happy to have her with us today. Olivia, welcome. Oh, thank you so much for having me on. I'm super excited to be here. Um, I really just love what you're doing and what your message is. So thank you for having me be a part of this. Oh, I'm so happy to have you here. So can you take a couple of minutes and just tell us your story, what you went through, where you are at this point? Yeah, definitely. So I, in 2015, I was 36. I had just started a new job, probably was on the job a couple months. I was at my doctor's office for a checkup and I saw a sign on one of those like cheesy posters on the wall. And this one said, make sure to do a self-check. And I had never self-checked myself, my breast that is. And so I did, and I found something. And so, you know, I didn't even really believe that I had cancer, but I went to the doctor. Things just kind of aligned. When I talked to my general care doctor, she was like, you know, here's someone you should go to, to get checked out and everything. And so I went to the doctor and they found a lump and it was in my left side. And then after more tests and everything, it was discovered that it had gone into some of my lymph nodes. And so the course of action was definitely to have this taken care of as, as soon as possible. I had other thoughts about it. I remember during the checkup, I was literally on my work phone and they had, had asked me to like put my phone down so I could get checked. And then they were like, yeah, we want you to get a biopsy this day. And I was like, oh, well, can I put that off? I have a work call coming up. You know, I was like totally not thinking about it at all. And I remember the doctor practically taking the phone out of my hand and was like, yeah, you got to take this seriously. <laughs> and I was like, oh, okay. And so I was diagnosed with breast cancer. It was like between like a stage two, stage three. I was married at the time. So I went through IVF because we weren't sure if we were going to have children or not. And then I went right into chemo lost all my hair, wore a wig, and then starved on the weekends. I eventually had a mastectomy on my left side. I had then radiation. Then I had several reconstruction surgeries. I have implants on both sides now. And I'm on tamoxifen. And so those are kind of the highlights of my cancer. I would say my elevator pitch (laughs) is my cancer elevator pitch. What what can you say on a ride on an elevator? I'm sure that would be such a joyful ride. But yeah, so I'm here in Chicago. So it was all done in Chicago. I had great doctors and a lot of support from friends and family. So that was lovely. 
That's such a blessing, isn't it? You know, when everyone mm-hmm. sort of circles around you and yep. you know, just really comes together to help support people, it really is so important because it it's is. such a hard time in people's lives. And, you know, really one of the things I tell people all the time is everyone wants to support you. Everyone wants to be there and they want to feel like there's something that they can do. So really, this is the time to take advantage of that support because it really actually makes people feel better having something to do. Yeah, it does. It does. I mean, cancer is a very strange topic to like talk to your friends and family about because people are very concerned. They don't want to hurt your feelings or they don't want to say the wrong thing. And I always advise people, um, a lot of times people will reach out to me and say, I, you know, I know someone who has, has cancer. What do I do? And I always just tell them, yeah, just talking to them, being there for them that they are still the same person, the same friend that you had two days before you knew that that person had cancer and they need you. And so they, and it's okay to laugh. It's okay to talk about, you know, Bravo TV and all the kind of good stuff, because it's like that stuff that they care about still. And it, and it helps them find some normalcy. So yeah, I, such an important thing to have that circle of friends and family. It is so good to really have that normalcy still, isn't it? You know, Mm -hmm. to really find things that sort of keep you grounded in who you were instead of just having life turn into nothing but your cancer fight. Yep. And I think that there's this misconception, I think, that exists that in part is kind of put out there because of movies and TV shows that you get cancer and your entire world stops. You know, in some cases that may be, you know, depending on how severe the cancer is, but in a lot of situations, you're still raising kids, you're still going to school or trying to, you know, keep your job going so you can pay those medical bills and you're still want to go out with friends and, or at least be around your friends in some form. And so it's definitely something where you need all of that still. Especially in light of the fact that for breast cancer people specifically, it's almost a year from start to finish. If you end up with surgery, chemotherapy, radiation, it's a full year of treatment. And so if really everything gets put on hold, what have you got? You lose an entire year of your life. You know, we definitely want to keep people active and doing things with their friends and family because it does help because if you start out that year and you think you're going to have nothing but treatment, it's really, really hard to get through that year. No, it is. It is. I mean, I think for the first time, sadly, is the first time I feel like people really are starting to get it because of the pandemic, because, you know, people have gone through that for a year, whether they knew anybody who had the COVID or not. And I think they're getting that, like, you know, their entire world is different, but at the same time, you're still the same person in that entire world. And so I think it's, it's been an interesting conversation to start having those conversations with people who've gone through the pandemic in different ways. And it's like, yes, that's exactly how I felt when I had cancer. Like I felt alone. Or I couldn't leave my house as much, couldn't do all the things I used to do, but I'm still here and I'm still alive. And, and so I think that it's, it's been an interesting conversation in this past year to really see a lot of the similarities between the two. So interesting. I've told people the same thing that, you know, Uh we're finally experiencing what all the cancer patients experience, except with COVID, there was a less than 1% chance of dying. And Mm -hmm. with so many cancers, your chances are higher than 1%. So Mm -hmm. I tell people like, if you were scared during COVID, this is how cancer patients feel, except multiply (laughs) it by whatever your failure rate would be. 
mm-hmm. you know, because for cancer, there aren't many cancers that it's only a 1% chance of dying, you know? Right. Right. And, and even like, if you do recover from cancer, there's so much that comes after that, that you're dealing with as you, in your recovery process, that it just seems like, I think for the first time people are understanding that too, that even if you have a clean bill of health, you're, it's not like cancer just never exists again. And I think that's what we're learning too with this pandemic, that right. even as we get the shots and we do the vaccines, I mean, it's not like poof, it's all gone now and stuff. And so I think that that, that would be lovely, but it's yeah, obviously not the case. <laughs> So how did you actually get into starting your Instagram? So I started Humor Beats Cancer in 2017 because I remember when I was going through cancer, I would see all these weird like dark humor moments that I would find funny, but I also felt very strange sharing it with people who weren't going through cancer because they thought I was like not taking it as seriously or that I was making fun of things and, or people. And, you know, and really it was just kind of a coping tool for me to, to kind of, laugh a little bit or just find find kind of a bright part of a dark place. So I wanted to see if there are other people going through cancer, particularly those in their 20s, 30s, and 40s who were experiencing that same thing. Because I also felt that when I was going through cancer, I felt very alone in terms of being 36 and going through this. I felt that a lot of my questions and concerns weren't things that everybody else was concerned about. Like I, I still worked full time while going through cancer. And so I felt like there was no real allowances for like, you know, the appointments were always in the worst time of the day. There was not a lot of conversations about things like dating or, you know, raising kids while going through it. A lot of the things that I felt like people were talking about, or I was thinking about in my mind were just not things because there's this misconception that cancer only impacts older people. And so like the elderly or your great aunt or your grandmother, and everybody always has that story. But it's, it's hard because people don't know a lot of young people who have cancer. But then once they do, then it, all of a sudden you start meeting more and more people. I think people just don't talk about it or maybe, I don't know. But um, but anyway, so I started I started Human Beats Cancer and I wanted it to be a nonprofit. I knew that I wanted to combine writing in some way because I have a writing background and I wanted to see if people would share funny stories. And so it started out as a blog where people share funny stories from their cancer journey. I reached out to some of my friends who I knew had cancer to you know, get the ball rolling. And then I started the Instagram account. And that's where I started getting a lot more people who are interested in sharing their stories. And so then it kind of grew from there, um, starting to speak at events or have fundraisers. And all of the money today that I raise goes to funny care packages to those going through cancer. I have a grant program where each year we give two $1,000 grants to, to young people to help them pay their medical bills. We gave out our first two last year and both of them went to people in the post-cancer stages. So one woman, she had always wanted to have children and she wasn't able to. So this helped go towards surrogacy so she could have a child. And then the other woman was just to kind of pay medical bills to kind of get out of the hole. And then we also do writing workshops where we work with people. And then we've had a few virtual and before COVID, an in-person open mic where cancer patients got up and they shared their funny cancer stories. And it was it's been such a success, people really embracing it and connecting with it. And so those are kind of the different ways that we connect, but really it's all about helping people feel less alone. It's about celebrating the person who's alive today. Um, a lot of organizations are kind of geared to curing cancer for the future patient, and it's never going to really impact today's patient. 
And a lot of people are more focused on getting rid of the disease, which of course is the most important thing, but there isn't a lot of focus on like the well-being and the mental stability of those going through cancer and post-cancer. And so this is the place where people, maybe it starts with a funny story, but then like people are connecting with each other and they're like, oh, I thought it was just me that felt like that. And there's been so many resources shared amongst the community. And because of social media, this can be a global community. So I'm just always like amazed to, to like, like people in like Africa and people in New York and people in London all can have like such similar situations they're dealing with that it doesn't matter where you live or, or what your kind of upbringing was or anything that like everybody's got those kinds of similar cancer experiences that they, you know, nobody to share that with. And so it's become a really solid nonprofit and it's, I'm very excited about it. And it's been, it's been so rewarding. I think that's so amazing that you're really turning around and giving back. And it is one of the things I hear people say so frequently is that they feel empty after treatment. Mm -hmm. And it's one of those things that I'm really working to try and help people intentionally create what they want their post-cancer life to be. Because I think that you get a chance for sort of a clean slate and recreating a life that you may not want to be as hectically busy and as worried about the small things and Mm -hmm. more intentionally focusing on your joy in every day. Mm -hmm. I always find too, that when I'm able to connect with a patient in their initial consult or in one of their early Mm -hmm. visits, and we're able to share a little laugh together, that things go so much more smoothly for them. It really helps to break the ice, make them feel a little more comfortable, make them feel like me as a physician, that I'm a little more approachable. And, you know, that's one of the things I really, I try to do some people, I think just like you, them saying that some people thought you weren't taking it seriously enough. Sometimes patients may think I'm not taking it seriously enough. And I try to balance that and gauge where they are, but I really do find that the the patients who have a little laugh with me Mm -hmm. sometime early on, just have a better experience through the Mm -hmm. whole thing. Oh my goodness. There's so many great stories that people have shared about their, that interaction with their, with their doctor or their nurse or whoever at the hospital or in the doctor's office, just that, yeah, that small piece of humor, you wouldn't believe how that carries through in people's lives. Like they remember that, like they remember that moment when, you know, maybe they were so down and they were scared and then their doctor was there and made them feel so secure and also like had that connection. I mean, the fact that you do that, it, it means so much and you may not even know it ever because you know they may never express that but I see it when, when when I ask for stories there's so many great ones where their doctor is just so funny and just so amazing about like just putting them at ease and so and I think that's what humor is in this situation it's about like that coping tool and that and that ability to feel a little better or a little bit like themselves even for a moment so the fact that you do that, I think is awesome because, you know, right there, there will always be a few people who are like, you know, I just can't laugh right now. And I, I respect that and everything, yeah. but like, but like, I, I think more times than not, people are just like, they're so tired of the seriousness throughout the whole thing. And they want to just feel like, like they like almost have to let a little air out of the tire almost like you have to just like all that stress and pressure. So I think it's oh, I love that, that letting do. a little air out of the tire. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it it true, is so it's true, true because, you know, you can just see them visibly like their shoulders yes. just drop when they have a little laugh. And I just yes. love that moment. And I know you and I are, have a similar mindset that 
this ability to find a bit of joy in the journey really helps to just make things seem not quite so long and arduous. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I mean, and I believe that in like all parts of our lives, but you know, I mean, obviously for this conversation and it's, you know, when dealing with cancer, yeah, I just feel, I, I really feel like humor is a really great way sometimes to connect with others and to show them like this, that you're, you're listening to them, you're there for them and that they're not as unusual or different because for people who get cancer, particularly those who are younger, you do feel so isolated and so alone. And it, you feel like nobody gets what you're going through. I think it's great to have that connection and to use humor as a way to kind of break through that wall of like isolation. So yeah, I'm, I'm a huge supporter of it. Can you share some stories with us that really made you laugh over the years? Yeah, for sure. I'll share a few that were from the, the blog or whatever, and I'll also share some from my own journey too, but a couple that come to mind, you know, you're talking about putting people at ease. I think of this one little story that always makes me laugh where this woman went to her oncologist and the oncologist was late showing up. And, you know, that's, you know, that happens a lot. And so, you know, the schedule gets backed up, we understand. But so the doctor rolls in and he's like, oh my goodness, I'm so sorry, I'm late. I was back at home. I was just trying to sober up from my wild night last night before I came in to treat you. And he's like, I'm not quite there yet, but I'm almost sober. And she just started laughing. And she just, it was such a great, because it was so unexpected. And so like, okay, you know, so that's, I, I like that story. I, I also really like, um, there's this woman who, she had reached out to me and she said, I really like your site. I really like what you're doing, but I think there's nothing funny about cancer. I just really, there's nothing I can think of that's funny. And I wrote her back and I was like, I get it. You know, thank you for following us. You know, I hope you're enjoying it. And then she's like, cool. And then the next day she wrote me and she's like, you know what? I was thinking about it. And let me know if you think this is funny because of one of her treatments, she was kind of seeing double sometimes and she was still working full time while going through treatment. So she said that she needed a fix for it, like a quick fix. So she opened up her desk and found post-it notes. And she put one post-it over her eye and it corrected the, du- the, the, you know, the double vision. And so she wore that post-it like for a long time and then drove home with the post-it on. And then the next day where the post-it, it was many, many days before she like went on Amazon to find an iPad. And, and she was like, I really think, she goes, do you think that's funny? And I'm like, that's hilarious. That is because like you, you it drove you to have to be like MacGyver the situation and put the company didn't realize it could also be used as a, as, as, as a iPad. temporary eye patch. I wonder if she drew a little eye on it. She should have. She didn't want to even waste any time. Just slap that puppy up on that eye and she's good to go. <laughs> so yeah. So there's, you know, there's stuff like that. For, for me, the classic story I always tell about myself was I was in the midst of treatment and I got invited to an American Cancer Society, young adult, silent raffle and appetizers and stuff. So I went with some of my friends. And I really didn't want to go because I'm bald. But then I was like, my friends encouraged me, let's go. And I sometimes wore scarves on my head. And so I had tied one at the like, nape of my neck and matched my outfit. And I felt like I looked like Beyonce. I was like so fierce. So I like strut my stuff into this American Cancer Society event. We have a great time. Um, my friends bid on a lot of silent auction items. And so when it came time to get to pick up what they won, I said I would just hang back and stand by this table in the back. And then this young girl came up to me, like early 20s, super enthusiastic. And she's like, oh, thank God you're still here. And like, I was like, I don't know who she is. But like, you know, I forget people's names and faces all the time. So I said, oh, yeah, I'm still here. Here I am. She's like, 
can you please tell me my fortune? She had thought I was the fortune teller that had been there earlier in the night because I was standing by the table and I was wearing the scarf. It would sort of be funnier if I had gone through and told her fortune. I, I just said, no, that's not me. She was like, well, thanks anyway. And I just thought it was very ironic considering it was a cancer event that there would be, they wouldn't think that maybe some cancer patients might be there. But um, my friends roll back over and they're like, and I told the story and we just had such a good laugh about it. And everybody wanted me to tell their fortune after that. Like I went into the situation, Nick and I just, this scarf looked great. And who knew that I actually looked like I I, I was a gypsy who was (laughs) trying to be reading palms later. So kind of a story that I often tell that I find so funny. (laughs) You know, sometimes there are things that I find funny that the patients don't realize are funny Mm -hmm. that I have to try and keep a straight face with. And I had a patient one time that I was doing the consent form and there's lots of things in there when you're consenting for radiation that are pretty serious. Mm -hmm. And I'm going through the consent form and she goes, yeah, yeah, I don't want that one. Take it out. And I, I look at her and I go, um, it's a consent form. These are the things that could happen. And she goes, yes, but I don't want that one. Take it out. And I'm, and I go, I think you don't understand. Like, this is the consent form. These are the things that could happen that I can't prevent. And you have to sign the consent form to get the treatment. And she says, yes, but I don't want that side effect. So I'm not going to sign the consent form. And I go, then you don't get radiation. And she's like, no, I want the radiation. I just don't want you to write that one down. Oh my God. (laughs) And we went around and around. And finally I had to literally say, I need a second. And I walked out of the room because I could not like, just keep a straight face anymore. And then I walked back in the room and finally we got it signed with everything in it. But oh my God, literally she's like, yeah, I don't want that one. I'm like, dude, no one wants that one. That's the point. It's a consent form. These are the things that could happen that nobody wants. No, I mean, that would be so great. Great if you could amend it. Yeah, I really do. Yeah, I want, I I would say want nothing bad to happen to me. I I want it all to go great. And that was probably 20 years ago. And it's still, every time I think of it, literally makes me laugh, you know, and she did not realize how funny this really was, but you know, everyone who I've told over the years is like, oh, that's really funny. That's perfect. I mean, well, I imagine you guys probably experienced so many of those kinds of things. Uh, We always laugh that we're so used to like as breast cancer patients and survivors, we're so used to taking our tops off. There have been many times when a doctor has been like, what, like, what are you doing? We're not doing that today. Put your shirt back on. <laughs> and you're like, like, oh, sorry. <laughs> so I imagine you guys experience things. I think too, that one of the things that's always really nice when you're doing this is when you can find something that you have in common with, mm-hmm. you know, the patient yeah. or with a family member. I always ask whether they've had kids, whether they've got grandkids, where they like to vacation, what they're looking forward to when all of this is done. Because I think it's a nice little thing to be able to have something that you end up chatting about. Yeah. My oncologist, she asked me like, where did I want to go? Like, like did you, what I want to travel after I was done. And I really said, I always wanted to go to Europe and particularly like to Paris. And so she literally wrote me a prescription for a trip to Paris. Like when Aww. things were done, I know. And it was the best thing. I haven't gone yet. Someday, eventually I'll go and I'll be able to catch in that prescription. <laughs> and That's so, amazing. I that was really cool. I it was really cool. Yeah. She's, she's amazing. And she was just, she's been a, a gift. It sure is. 
So tell people where they can find you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So our website is humorbeatscancer.com. And then we're also on Instagram and Facebook at humorbeatscancer. And then Twitter is humorbeatcancer. And you can check out all of our blogs, all of our stories. We have them categorized in a bunch of fun ways. So, you know, by disease, or if you want to read about some books and authors and that kind of thing. And then we are always reaching out, asking if people are, want to share a story or if they're having a hard time and need a care package. And so there are many ways. And then um, if anybody wants to donate, we are a nonprofit. All the money goes right back into the organization to help with those care packages and grants and things like that. And, and then we just do a lot of different speaking events and writing workshops. And we have an upcoming virtual fundraising and comedy event on May 20th that I'm going to be announcing this weekend. So yeah, there's a lot of different ways to connect with us. We're open to everybody. We want to hear your stories. We don't focus on any one cancer. We're just really here to share humor as a coping tool. Thank you so much for being with us today. Oh, well, thanks for having me. It's been a great conversation. It was so nice to chat with you. Such a fun episode today. I really loved chatting with Olivia. If you're challenged with your mindset, you can either find her on her website or you can come and get additional help as well at Best Life After Cancer MD on my Facebook page. There's a group there with lots of women who are really working on improving their mindsets and supporting each other. We'd love to see you. Thanks for listening to Best Life After Cancer. Did you know you can get more information on my website, bestlifeaftercancer.com? There is also a Facebook page, Best Life After Cancer MD, where there is a group just for survivors. Here you are able to interact with me, ask questions, and get more help. I'd love to see you there. Have a great week, and I'll speak with you soon.